one, thanks for coming. Yeah. Hey, there's three people in this room. Yeah, it's who Jared is this? and myself and then Nick Hart. Aloha. Aloha. Damn. I don't even know how to introduce you. All I know is that I want to talk to you for a long time because we've known each other for quite a while now. Yeah. Probably over a decade yeah. just in the Seems context right. of coffee shop culture and yeah. being around town and mutual friends and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll let you elaborate a little bit, but you've always, since I've known you, you've always done a lot of work with kids that I find super interesting. I don't know, like set the tone for a little bit more of that. Like what is flow? What do you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, even just to back up just a little bit of kind of what you said, like kind of context in which how we know each other. Uh, like I'm into quality coffee because of people like you. And not because I uh, even grew up uh, knowing what, you know, good coffee was. I just all of a sudden, just like in punk rock and hardcore music, like, oh, I'm into these really quality bands. And then, you know, consequently, uh, higher quality tattoo artists and this and that. And it was kind of like the, the, the circle of friends. And uh, I always tell people who aren't necessarily into coffee i'm like i'm really only into coffee because i have great friends who are mm. started some amazing coffee and so it's kind of like this like positive peer pressure thing of like um i only know about this because i know really good people so like uh you know i feel like we met uh at a kind of a you know an interesting time certainly here in santa cruz it was kind of like this uh uh, a golden era of like really amazing people yeah. living in this place uh, and then doing great things. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I think my initial connection to you was probably through Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Halverson, who owns Brother. Story Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. In, is it Livermore or Pleasanton? He's in Livermore. I, I always get the lines blurred. He or is whatever. Mr. Livermore. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Livermore. Mr. Livermore lives in Livermore. Yeah. And uh, has, a, has a dynamite coffee shop yeah there. i just yeah. went a couple weeks ago it was great it was yeah. such a weird because he was from livermore yes i think at that time he was a pleasanton guy is this true or no i don't know doesn't even matter they're the same thing Very anyway tough. yeah so you were coming around yeah kind of connecting with him and i think you'd been coming through the shops though prior to that but maybe yeah, not as the consistently shops, just like you know loving the loving the loving the quality of the coffee but loving the people it was like it was it, it was a um i don't know it was a place that you you went to and it was like i feel like i'm i resonated with it because i've always been about wanting to leave things better than they were mm. and you know the vibe at the shop was like we want to leave people better than they were mm -hmm. even if at the end of the day all we're doing is handing them a cup of coffee. We want to go on to give them an experience and whatnot. And the experience was so much more than just like, hey, here's a good cup of coffee and a smile. There was like this genuine interaction mm. there. And I resonated deeply with that because that's what I'm about. That's you. Yeah, that's, no that's, doubt. That's, that's me. So mm. like if you were to do what I do in a coffee shop, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Not that I'm going to do a coffee shop. But if I were to do that, I would do it like this mm -hmm. because this represents – Certainly what I'm about, represent what flow is about. Um, you know, you, to, answer, to answer your question about like a little bit about flow, um, we, uh, <clears throat> flow is a, uh, is a youth nonprofit that I started here in Santa Cruz. Um, officially, we launched um, as an official nonprofit back in 2017, but we've been at this since 2010. And um, what started as an after-school program 
basically just to, for, for the kids who had nothing to do. It was, that was a target audience. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to target the skaters. We're going to target, you know, the sporto kids. We're going to target. No, it was like, this is for the kids who have nothing to do. They don't have anyone to go home to. And the element is fun. Mm. Fun, safe, and life-giving environment, you know. And so uh, to maybe the uh, um, inexperienced eye, you pop in, oh, it's a bunch of kids like running around playing games and whatnot. Much like if somebody <clears throat> were just to come by the shop and be like, oh, cool, it's a coffee shop and the people are really friendly. But you and I both know that there was something deeper there. Like mm. the heart was never, uh, for my heart's never been to be like this cruise line program director. Like I just want to make fun things happen for kids. Like there has to be a heart with that. And our heart's always been to add value to uh, to the to the youth, right? You know, to 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 care about them in a way where um, this fun actually is 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 magnified because of the heart behind it. Um, and at the end of the day, we're we're longing for next steps and uh, you know to earn a voice in these young people's lives mm-hmm. to speak life into them, to encourage them for when you know life gets hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially when you're in middle school or high school to have an adult in your life, um, that isn't mom and dad. And for a lot of kids, they don't have mom and dad. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so, um, to, to, to earn a voice in in a young kid's life to be able to, you know, encourage them and whatnot and, uh, guide them along the way. That's really, where does that come from? Like in the sense of there's a million things that you could do, you know, you like I'm Nick Hart. I can kind of do anything I want. You know, for all intents and purposes, I don't have to have a nonprofit. What makes it so connective for you? You know, what's funny is um, I believe that now what you just said, I'm I, I I'm going to hate myself. I'm going to hate hearing myself say this later. I'm Nick Hart and I can do anything. Um, I used to not believe that I um, I used to have this really ugly narrative that even though I was still doing what I'm similar thing to what I'm doing now, I've been a youth pastor for 20 plus years. And I used to have this really ugly narrative that said, um, if I'm, I, I don't have a backup plan. Mm. So this better work out because I don't have a backup plan. Because if I'm not doing this, I don't know what the heck I'm going to be able to do. I'm not going to be able to do anything. That was a stinking thinking. And, the, and that was actually an upgraded narrative to the narrative that I even <clears throat> grew up with before that, mm. which was, I'm a stupid individual. I'm not smart. I'm highly impulsive, uh, ADHD to the core, um, wasn't medicated until I was 25 years old. Um, so did not think that I was, I thought that I was socially intelligent because obviously I could have a conversation, conversation with just about anybody. I was never scared about that. But I didn't know how to quantify that, mm. you know, on a scale of value. Like, oh, that's that's actually like a highly valuable uh, skill set, mm-hmm. gift set. Um, I didn't have that narrative. So the narrative that I would tell myself was that uh, it's not really anything that special. Oh, what I'm doing is not that big of a deal, um, which is so polar opposite than to what, conversations i'm having having with people right Mm -hmm. of like no you are a big deal because you're a one-off and you have unique gifts right and no one's going to reflect back to the world in the way that you're going to be able to do it when when you authentically are doing it 
Because when you're authentically reflecting back to the world who you really are, nobody does that like you. Nobody. And so I, um, you know, I referenced punk rock and hardcore a little bit. And uh, one of the things that like hardcore taught me life lesson wise was integrity and character, you know, along with like, you know, adults and whatnot speaking into my life at an earlier age but like that was one of the that's one of the been one of the takeaways from from growing up at hardcore was like doing what you say you're going to do and being what you're about like Mm -hmm. don't don't be a chump like don't be a fraud don't be a fake right be real and i started having like real like an internal struggle where my narrative was not matching up with what i was actually wanting to share with people and what I was wanting to share with people was what I needed myself mm-hmm. you know totally like like I need that and communication 101 if it doesn't matter to you it's not going to matter to your audience mm-hmm. right like that's number one in anything uh so it was this conflict of like do I actually believe that I'm valuable mm-hmm. that i'm worthy that i um am and you know that that uh that what i'm saying actually matters to me too mm-hmm. um so um roundabout way of saying i used to have that ugly narrative mm. and um it's been a process there are days in which I still adhere to that old narrative, as I'm sure we can, you know, there are days where you got, you got good days and you got bad days. And um, I'll, today it happens to be one of those great days where I'm like, this is rad. This has been a, uh, a, a rad month, if you will, of, no, I'm wholeheartedly walking in who I was created to be, mm-hmm. you know? This this is me, and when I show up, it looks authentic. It looks real. Um, there's a depth and a feel to it. Um, it's not fabricated, right? You know, and it's not exhausting. We've had that conversation yeah. before, right? Where you are in the presence of somebody that you feel like, oh, I need to do this, and then I need to like, you know, project myself in such a way mm. so that they think I'm cool or that they notice me, their head even just turns like, well, oh, that's an interesting person, mm-hmm. you know? And then you, at, at the end of that transactional interaction, we're drained. <laughs> we're drained. Right. Like zapped. Yeah. Because we didn't actually show up. Our, what I thought you wanted show up showed up yeah and it took it out of me yeah it's like i'm trying to figure out oh man i met this guy nick and i want him to think i'm cool so i need to figure out what he thinks is cool and then i can be that and Work then it into maybe the because of that i'll be accepted by him so the whole time instead of just relaxing and just having an honest conversation yes. i'm calculating my brain's working overtime i'm like totally. looking at this like how did he react to that thing oh maybe that's actually not maybe You're i not can even pivot that. well actually this that and the other or like it's basic yeah it's 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 so many different things one it's like it's making judgments on what the other person you think they think or you think they value which yes. a lot of times we don't even know anyway yep. unless we really know that person deeply and it's selling ourselves short 
in terms of, you know, who we have to be to be accepted in a group or what value we can bring to other people. Like there's no way I could bring value just by being myself. I need to be what all these other people mm. think I need to be. Right. I, I think that's why I'm pretty intrigued about the stuff that you, that you do like working with the kids, because I know for, you know, like my upbringing was pretty normal, right? It, there wasn't anything that was super, crazy about my life you know I grew up in the suburban town sure you know my parents split up when I was 11 my dad wasn't around a lot so there's all these little tiny things that add up to not having not feeling like you have the support that you'd need to like grow into who you could be and I say that with caution because I know if you know for example if my mom listens to this she would be like, I gave you everything. And it's like, yeah, you did. Uh, right. 110%. Like, she did village, her though. best. She, yeah. she gave me everything, and she did everything for me and my brother, and, yep. and that's for real. And I was lucky enough to find skateboarding, which was kind of the culture mm-hmm. that raised me. But all along the way, like, I really struggled with my self-worth and being seen by others in a way. I just wanted to be accepted. And mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody who was – older than me or someone that I looked up to who was like an objective third party who could be mm-hmm. like, Hey, like I get it. Like mm-hmm. I've been where you've been. I'm feel what you're feeling. Right. Or just a community to work together. Right. Anyway, all that to say it's, I, I see some of the things that you're doing. I'm like, Oh, that would have been rad to have something mm. like that in, you know, in my life at that age in mm-hmm. a more, in a more structured way. Well, it sounds you're extremely intentional with it and, it's crazy. Your your narrative and your story is damn near like the exact mirror of mine. Like legitimately. Like and and, and same thing, right? Still getting still getting used to the idea that I'm capable and able and yeah. all of those things. But yeah. like all that you just said is almost verbatim what I would say wow. in like my most honest approach to upbringing, right? ADHD as well. Yep. Um brought up in the context of you're you're kind of an idiot but yeah so you know my my narrative that i would flip to make me not an idiot right is to be kind of a performer mm-hmm. and able to kind of be the person to bring others together that would be my superpower then yeah it's like well you're kind of an idiot at school and you're unable and you're right you're obnoxious and you're yeah. all over the place but you somehow can make people feel comfortable enough to get together and you bring these weird eclectic groups together and somehow you make people you know, you'll remember their name in yes. school and yes. that was me. And at the Which same time, powerful, totally. But you remember somebody's name, it's powerful. And I, and I went to a school of whatever, 300 people, but I knew all their names from freshman to senior year. You know, that was like the thing. And all, all that was to me though, is the feeling of being so internally left out, mm-hmm. even though I was physically accepted from mm-hmm. the outside world, mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily like spoken well of in some For of sure. the context, like you were saying, right? Yep. Like not good at school, not the smartest guy in the class or, very smart at all but it's interesting to go through that and then to evolve I guess Mm -hmm. and to start learning that these things are applicable and we do I think get tools as well right medication is key to some of the stuff as well but also the ability to it sounds like you also had to learn and adapt right like lists and all those ADHD things that we have to do or else we don't oh yeah we don't do anything totally (laughs) totally um it's just, it's such an awesome reflection. And it's, I think it's just very relatable. I think a lot of people, even if they don't have ADHD, will be able to identify with that internal narrative that we 
pick up at some point yeah. from somebody who mattered to us that ripped us down. Yeah. And then what you were getting at, which I also agree with, is it would be really, really awesome to have more more adults at a younger age involved in some form of mentoring. So I guess I was getting to a question, which is you said people spoke into your life to help you kind of change that narrative. Like what was that like? And you, whether you name drop them or not, like were there some specific kind of people or like moments where you were like, I don't know, they're kind of like light switches. Certainly, I had an eighth grade teacher. That's why only one, you really. know, um, well, I mean, from base base level, which is, which is interesting because, in, you know, so I grew up with this narrative. However, that narrative was never reinforced at home. Okay. I never once heard from my parents, you're stupid, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're nothing. No, it was the opposite. You know, Got it, it was like, you know, you're, you're a gift, you're precious, you're loved. And like, I knew that mm-hmm. at my core from home home i was like yeah i'm safe like i definitely was told that was the stupidest thing i've ever seen you know sure you do stupid stuff right but um but uh did not was was not called those that narrative like i said was just not reinforced at home um resource teachers were huge you know for me okay um and school was just something that at an early age i just made peace with this is not going to be my thing however this is just one of those like temporary jobs that i gotta do in order to get through to the next thing were you public school or private public school okay yeah public school and um so honestly not a lot of teachers stick out Mm -hmm. but i did have a youth pastor um his name's adrian singaris and um Adrian um, saw something in me that I did not see in myself, uh, saw the, the raw gifts in me, that whole, like, you know, being able to gather people, gather mm-hmm. a crowd, um, tell a funny story. Mm. Um, yeah, you're really good at stories. Kind of have this, like, just this, this knack. Well, I, got, I get storytelling from my dad mm. and from Adrian, like, learning to tell a story and I always just loved stories growing up Mm -hmm. um was never and still to this day not much of a of a of a reader I listened to a lot of audiobooks um which my wife who's probably the smartest person I've ever met uh uh tells me that like brain studies show that like listening to audiobooks is you know has a similar like brain wave function as like you're reading the book kind of thing so Mm. like I'm I've there you go. Progressed, yeah. Right. So, uh, so even still, I don't read that many books, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, Adrian just taught me, helped me how to hone a, a story, tell a story and, uh, gave me an opportunity, mm. you know, to like speak into my own peers lives, you know, gave me an opportunity to like, Hey dude, would you ever want to learn how to communicate better? Like you already have some raw gifts. What would you think if we kind of like honed those gifts? Because I see something in you that um, I think that I could help, you know, grow. Mm. So he invited me and a couple of friends and we just had this like communicators group and we'd meet once a, once a week and he would basically like ha- teach us how to write speeches, you know? Wow. So I wrote some like amazing speeches <laughs> for class, right? And um, taught me how to like, intentionally connect with my audience and then 
Um, but not just, not just connect with the audience, but then also like, how do you like woo the audience in a way of like, I want to show you something. And then they're on the edge of their seat. Mm -hmm. Like, well, what are you going to show us? Um, and I did this, I was a fruit booter. I was a, I was a, I confess. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I rollerbladed. <laughs> I think and, uh, you have ADHD, you have to fruit boot. Grade, you totally have to rollerblade, yeah, right? I, did. I, um, I don't know if you listen to Shane Smith, like, that like tattooed face comedian. Um, he's a fruit booter. He actually has fruit boot tattooed across his knuckles. I uh, love that. Um, also love that he's um, still straight edge, which rules. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, yeah. You get your Royale grinds I, just dialed I in. I love and... that he's like soul grinding hardcore. <laughs> like, yeah. I played hockey. I didn't, I, I was too afraid of this. Still don't, I don't rollerblade anymore, but I do have roller skates. Yeah. Um, well, skates are hot fire. So you're, you know, I got some quad skates. Get my girls right. are uh, way into it. I wouldn't even say way into quad skating. I wish they were way into it, but they're into it enough that I full on bought some. Yeah. You're out there. Way too nice of roller skates. People seem to be like, whoa, you must be really good. And I'm like, I can Rex. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can go backwards if you want. And be woke. The Cat and Cloud podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess no matter where you are. All you have to do is add hot water. Each steep pack is individually sealed in nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh, and it's got this special immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue, no staples, so there's no weird stuff floating around in your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable, and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on Steeped Coffee at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying Steeped or having your favorite roaster reach out and get in touch. If you happen to be in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry and make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. Okay, wait. I got I just got to back up. You talked about Flow starting was it called Flow in 2010? Yes, it was. So and it's always been Flow. Always been Flow. Where the, did it start? Cuz I'm remembering a couple at places. Started at 40 Middle School, okay. which is in Midtown uh, Santa Cruz. Is that where the church was that time? Or did you um, move So the church that I was at was called Faith Community and I was the youth pastor there right. and they had a small office right next to the Rio Theater. Um, yes. and we used to our church used to meet inside the Rio Theater on Sundays. Um, so we didn't have like a large enough space for us to gather mm -hmm. and I didn't go, I didn't start at this church to just start a regular youth group. Right. Like, you know, like, Hey, let's bring in a bunch of church kids and like do this thing. I was given the freedom to do whatever, at the, you know, the, the, the lead pastor was like, dude, whatever you feel like is on your heart. Like in his words specifically, whatever you feel like God's forming in you, like, go and do that. I don't want you to, like, create some cookie-cutter youth group. So for me, that looked like this uh, after-school program right. at Branson 40 Middle School. Yeah, so we started. I want to plug a gap. Can I plug yeah, a gap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm go. so curious right now. So you have, um, you know, 
your arc, you're coming up, you have these insecurities, even though you have this strong family foundation, and then you find someone who is, you know, a mentor to you, and you're, you know, you're growing in that way, you're meeting up for your speech writing thing, you're learning to communicate. And I found a community in hardcore. Yeah. Okay. Those are are pretty key, cool things. It was, they were, it was, there was like, 15 years old, man, was like this, was like this mega ramp of an intersection for my life, for sure. Wow. What, what is what are some of the key things and maybe this is way too hard to condense but how how do you go from that to connecting with someone you know at a church and having them be like hey you set this up in whatever way feels true to you and you feeling powerful enough to be like yes i got this like i know exactly how this is going to work or i know what i want to do you know it's Seems, How do I go from that to where what, I'm at now? Like, what gave you the confidence to step into that program and be like, okay, cool, I feel confident enough to create something new that, to, like, try this different thing? Uh, I don't know if it was so much confidence as it was, like, well, they didn't say what I couldn't do, so I'm just going to go and do that. Like, okay. like yeah. that's been a majority of my life. Yeah. You know, of this, like, boundary-pressing, you know, uh, let's see. Like my mom was like, you should have been a toy tester. Like you're the, you're the kid who's like, Hey, I got this like bendy thing. I'm going to bend in the opposite way and see how far it goes before it breaks. Like that's been my MO and not like in this, um, I just want to break stuff, but I want to, I want to see the limit. Like where's, where, where are the boundary lines? Because for an ADHD person, if you know the boundary lines, then you're aware of like your surroundings, right? Because proximity is important. So like, what (laughs) what can we do? (laughs) What can we do? Because if you say anything, dude, that's danger. It's going to get weird. It's going to get weird (laughs) fast. (laughs) What's, oh God, it's a good time. I'm having such a hard time channeling my energy. So how, how I, it's, um, he's got plenty. I know. It was, uh, it was kind of a, um, let's just see how this goes. What mm. do people think of, um, wh- there's this intersection of the hardcore upbringing, the church and religious aspect of what you're doing, and then the, you're kind of like this weird-ass dude. <laughs> like, let's just call it what it is. That's like, why it works. Like, Nick is super, that. like, you are incredibly strange in the fact that um, you're, you're out there connecting with people in a way that feels normal, breaking all the quote-unquote rules yeah. that most people would associate with some sort of um, Christian or religious yeah. situation, right? Here's yeah. this. So, one, th- this is what I know about youth pastors. Youth pastors are supposed to look cool, but they're actually not cool. They're supposed <laughs> to relate to the kids, but they're incredibly corny, right? So that's 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 what a youth pastor yeah, is, right? Sure. And then you're <clears throat> I don't know, like you're out here cussing up a storm, doing stuff like there was a there was that stabbing at Aptos High. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Super lame. And then one of the I knew about it because I was watching your stuff and you did this monologue about, you know, commentary on what happened but also if you need someone to talk to you know dm us Mm -hmm. this is crazy but you you know in the little title you're just like warning explicit language and you Mm -hmm. feel like totally empowered just being like this is fucking bullshit like this this shit is wrong and has that been a 
how do people receive that? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in, in the communities that you're a part of. Yeah. Um, you know, that's been a, a, a trial by fire kind of, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, I'm 40, pushing 41 now. Um, uh, I've grown in learning my audience mm-hmm. um, faster than I was when I was, you know, younger and knew that words carried weight. Mm-hmm and knew that words grabbed attention um, and experienced some of that, wow, I really got their attention there by maybe using explicit content. Nothing, anything grotesque or anything like that. that. Just really like kind of grabbing you by the collar like, hey, this shit matters. Mm -hmm. Like your life matters. Yeah. And oftentimes when we're talking about those big things, we need to use big words to grab our attention. Right. You know? And um, it's, it, it really depends. It really depends on who you're speaking to. Because mm. if you're speaking to a bunch of religious people or people who maybe are very, very conservative, who you and I both know use those words behind closed doors, yep. but <laughs> won't use those words mm. in the sacredness of the context and whatever the stage is, yeah. right? whatever, their, whatever their, their idea of sacredness is, um, I, I kind of like... I, I enjoy breaking those like kind of sacred places mm-hmm. open and being like, how is this more sacred than when you are behind closed doors and the real you is, is out. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Appropriate context is so important. Yeah. So, appro- like so I've learned over years, like not the safest place to do that here, or this is a safer place to do this. When you're talking with kids though, man, you have to be real. And if real is <laughs> you come and correct with, all the words that you know, all the explicits, then, then, then that's what it looks like. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not even like you have to cuss to connect with kids, but kids have like, and I, I know you're not saying that, so I'm just clarifying for everybody that's listening, but like kids have a really good bullshit filter. Like yeah, kids can totally. tell if you're faking it. Totally. And adults can too, but kids have no problem telling you. None. You know? Well, adults just get used to that. so many people faking adults are like, it that okay, they start yeah, to gravitate towards know. the ones they get, get I met on Jared. With. He's kind of bullshit yeah, all the like, time. It's like, it's not guy. even real. Yeah. The kids will just, you can see the respect for you start to disappear for or sure. the impact that you can have on someone dwindle by you not being who you actually sure. are <laughs> and yep. trying to trying to connect in, in that way. It's, yeah, what, what do you think is the hardest or what's what's the process for people coming in the flow and you know connecting with those kids like how do you find the how do the kids find you that you work with um so we've been at this long a long time and so longevity when i when i speak Mm -hmm. to like younger you know youth workers um the longevity piece is key because this is hard yardage man Earning a voice in young people's lives is hard yardage, and that is earned. It is not deserved. It is not, um, oh, I show up enough times and like, hey, man, I checked all the boxes. Like, now I get to speak into your life. No, no, that's, it is a privilege and an honor, and you have to be invited in. Um, now, oftentimes, that, 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 that invite comes, you know, because of tragedy, you know, mm. because of some sort of loss, because of some sort of like heartache. Um, so how do you earn that? You earn that by showing up in all the other times. 
in all the in the times in which it just looks like there's nothing happening, there's no like actual, you know, progress being made relationally, you show up anyway. Whether you're, you know, having the time of your life or you're like, gosh, we're doing the same thing over and over. Like it you show up so that you can have those those not not so that, but but so that when you know the the, the tragedy does strike and hard things do happen those students know that they have someone that they can go to and and just process mm-hmm. you know just share the 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 weight of you know the mm-hmm. burden of whatever it is that they're going through um so kids find us in all kinds of ways once kids find us word you know word of mouth like you were saying kids have like such a filter like such like a a brilliant filter right for um for 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 bs and stuff like that so um kids find us through other kids Mm -hmm. um kids find us in the community because we show up you know and um we've had to change a lot over the past year and a half two years with the whole pandemic thing we used to have this gigantic uh after school program that would meet right next at next to soquel high We'd have life skill rooms, jujitsu, self-defense classes. We had this like mindfulness room. We had like uh, girls groups. We had uh, tutoring rooms. Um, we had uh, like this, this barber, um, Elias Campbell from Waves and Fades Barbershop mm-hmm. would come in um, once a week, cut kids' hair for free. Um, I had this like video game room. We had uh, makers club where kids were making like sea, uh, like sea glass art and jewelry and uh, vinyl cutters for custom stickers. You know, kids could put their like Instagram handle on their bike, like wheelie kid. Uh, check me out kind of guy. Check me out at wheeliekid.net. <laughs> yeah. Follow me, sponsor me at. Give <laughs> uh, me a little, bro. Yeah. Um, Outdoor pump track, mini ramp, 40-foot storage container filled with, like, all these toys, drift trikes, bikes, skateboards. Kids could check out any of those things. And um, we had to throttle back from that. Um, But for the longest time, that was one of the easiest ways for kids to connect. They knew flow was happening on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, from, from these hours. And after school, we can go there, hang out, get some free food. We didn't charge. The only thing that we were like did was like sign in so that we know that you're here, and then that's your meal ticket. Mm. And one of the reasons why we didn't charge or anything like that was because we wanted kids who wouldn't norm- wouldn't eat at school mm-hmm. because they get the free lunch. But if you stand in the free lunch line, everybody knows that you're getting you're the kid yeah. who's getting the free lunch. Right. We gave out food for free because we wanted everybody to eat, including those kids who were like kind of embarrassed to eat at school. So those were the kids like, you know, 15 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, like all these chips, all this like fruit, like just going ham, you know? And some of those kids would come just to fill up on food and Mm -hmm. then they would split and that's okay, you know? So we'd have hundreds and hundreds of kids coming throughout the week, you know, to flow and they would hear, you know, hey, come to this thing. You, You can actually get fed there. Like, or dude, they... They let you like learn jujitsu here or like, um, Hey, we can make some stickers for it. Yeah. It was just rad. I mean, that's a really dynamic set of things you had going on in there too. That's not like a simple feat. 
like are these a bunch of volunteers or you know what I'm saying you just named like nine rooms yeah <laughs> and they're they're specified in such a way that you're not just like like I'm not rolling in and teaching jujitsu you know what I'm saying I'm right. not rolling in and teaching you can't get a random I'm right. not rolling you, in and cutting kids hair you cannot so you know like how's that connection to the community working yeah I mean that's through just the amazing people that we have here it's through um my eclectic group of yeah. friends yeah you know I, I i i know i know the homeless dude that talks to himself and i know the ceo types mm-hmm. who have more money than they know what to do with that spectrum right and and both are valuable individuals both are unique both are created with with wonderful design and 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 both um have can add so much value and have added so much value to, you know, selfishly to my own life, you know, having seeing, seeing, uh, seeing them and just unique perspectives in life. Um, yeah. So the, 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 the spectrum is wide as far as like the people that I know, Mm -hmm. um, and the friendships that I have. Um, and so, we just took a bunch of ideas and we're like, yeah, let's see if that person would actually do this. Mm. You know, we share the heart and they're like, yeah, man, I want to, I, no one's ever asked me as a barber to uh, come in and add value to young people's lives by just by, by sharing, you know, you talk mm. about sharing your gift, right? Yeah. Sharing your gift, mm-hmm. you know, like we used to, we used to have, um, we used to bring in local <sighs> artists um, once a month. And they would share their craft. You know, I'd bring in, like, I got a lot of tattoos. I'd come in, I'd bring some tattoo friends in, and they'd, like, teach kids how to draw, like, an anatomically correct skull. Mm-hmm. But then they'd talk about, like, you know, art theory and, uh, you know, and, and, and researching. Um, somebody wants you to draw an elephant, you know, so you get, the artist is going to like look at a bunch of different elephant drawings and then they're going to compare it to like where the person wants the elephant on their body and like what what's the space that I'm working with mm-hmm. and like I'm researching all these different elephants and like we're going to draw this elephant for this particular part of the body you know what middle schooler gets that opportunity like in, yeah. in you know outside of art class to be like man that's that's cool like I, I got to understand a little bit about like how a tattoo artist's process works mm-hmm. and I got to learn how to draw a sick anatomically correct skull in the process what's going on when Elias is cutting hair so he cuts my hair too I go yeah. to the barbershop yeah, he's yeah. A super awesome guy like <clears throat> I love his energy because he's he's young and he's passionate about not just cutting hair but the the community Dude, like he sets an amazing tone one of the craziest things that anybody ever said to me was i think it was the first time he cut my hair i think the first time i went to waves and fades i didn't book with him because he's always super booked up but i always like to connect with the owner because it's i don't know i just want to see what it feels like you know for sure i booked with him and we just started talking and this was kind of i think they had just opened like they were brand new definitely in the first year or something Mm -hmm. and at one point during the haircut, he paused and he's like, hey, you know, what can a local business like us, what can, how can we help you? You know, we're in the same neighborhood. Like, what can we do for you? And yes. I was just at the at that point in time, I was one blown away, 
Two, I was upset because we'd been around for four-ish years at that time. And I'm like, fuck, I should be asking you that question. Like, that should be me asking you, you know, like, wow, we're, we're, we're established. Like, mm-hmm. we're here. You know, mm-hmm. we have more flexibility in so many ways than a brand new business does because, mm-hmm. you know, he's head down <laughs> trying to do his thing, get it built. Now for they've sure. been around for a little while, but I was just like caught off guard. I was like, damn it. Yeah. So, yeah, he is, he's just so quality. What? Like, when he comes in and is cutting hair, like, what is his interaction like with so, the kids? So, um, I wish that we were still able to do this, but I'll tell you of what it was like. Yeah, yeah. Um, what it was like was, um, it was, um, the first couple times was, you know, it was kind of just like, let's, let's figure this out. Let's see how it goes. And before long, I just kind of pulled him aside and I was like, hey, bro, you do this like you would do your shop. So, like, let's pretend that this room that we're giving you, and it was a cool little room, man. It was, like, bamboo floors. Like, there was a cool little, like, some, like, tag on the side of the wall. So, it made for, like, great photos. You, like, get behind them. Yeah. And there's, like, like this tag on the wall. And, um, and, like, kids all around. But he would, like, bring his little, like, Bluetooth, you know, speaker in. and, And we had a barber chair for him inside the storage container so we would like bring it in and it was like the barbershop right. right there you know um and the setting was cool barber the, you know the stool was right in the middle of the you know 12 by 10 room and you had uh we didn't have cool chairs we just had bean bags oh, so yeah. we had like bean bag chairs like and, it, and that's where kids would hang out and there would be this like line of of students and um and he'd be playing music, and kids would sit down, and he'd just have a conversation with, with kids, man. It was amazing. Like, what kind of haircut you want? But then further would just, you know, opportunity to speak into this kid's life. And, and when it was crowded, there wasn't a lot of, I would say, intimate conversation. Sure. Um, but there were a handful of times where the line wasn't so long, and it was like just one other student in there. And this kid's opening up you know, about his life and talking about, <clears throat> you know, how uh, his dad recently passed away. And it was just amazing that, ty- that, that, that uh, Elias could be there in that moment. And I remember him pulling me aside afterwards, like, dude, it was, it was incredible, man. Like, um, one, you guys got to follow up with this kid because he's going through some hard stuff right now. But, but it was just incredible, man. One minute cutting this kid's hair and the next minute he's telling me and opening up about his, his life. And, um, and sharing about like what what's hard and and what's amazing and 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 how those things are kind of going right now for him. Mm. And all Elias did, <clears throat> this is crazy, was he just showed up and he did his thing. Yeah, yeah. I, there was one time. It's funny. I've been meaning to talk to you about this for years or whatever. But you asked me to come to the barracks because you were taking a group of kids to the barracks. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe I don't know, uh, whatever. And then at the end of the day, I didn't end up going. And you would reach out to me after. You're like, hey, man, if you can't go, it's all good. Like, no worries. And I, there are two things going on in my head at that time. One of the things was like, this feels like something that I would like love to be a part of. And then the other voice in my head was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm going to show up and there's no way that I'm going to be the person that I need to be for these kids. Like, mm. it's just not going to work out, you know. And I don't know what it means to go to the barracks with Nick and his youth group and to show up and skate in this cool place with all these kids. Like, how does it work? Like, like, what do I have to do? What do I have to say? Like, how do I have to act? Do I need to be a different person than me? Like, you know, I'm, I went to church when I was a kid, but I'm not actively involved in the church. Right. Right. Like what are the church rules? Like, how Hmm. does this all connect? And 
you know, this was a few years ago, but I think about it often. And now it's interesting to see what you do on Tuesdays at the skate park with Mickey. Yeah. Who watching him is amazing. And Mickey I'm, rules, I'm man. Kinda, we've talked about Mickey here before. Right. Dude. He's such an inspiration to me. I don't, you know, he is. I don't know if he knows that. I. I want him, Tell him to, to know. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> I I actually made him. It was one of those weird things, but it was like a few <clears> months ago where I had a bunch of footage of him and I edited it all together and no tricks of me, just him. And I was like, I like Mickey inspires me to skate like more than anybody I know. And you know, this is Mickey, and he was like, dude, thanks. And mm. it's he is just one of those dudes who I don't know. He makes me want to be better. He makes me. I like I'm happy when I see him like I, it gets me stoked and to see how he interacts with everybody around him like the skate park is a better place when he's there 100% mm. undeniably like 100% everybody knows it and yes. he is so and there's these little like we were there the other week and it was probably three o'clock and he usually gets there like 12 one yeah you know whatever time and earlier in the afternoon and there's this little kid with pads and he's just sitting up at the top of the quarter pipe and he's just kicking his feet around he's looking around and you know i skate up getting ready to drop in he's like where's mickey i'm like i don't know he's all when's mickey gonna get here nice and like how cool you know how cool to not be there and have this yeah this this group of kids being like dude where where's this guy that you know and like what is mickey gonna do when like what like Mickey doesn't have to do anything no. special for that particular kid. Just him being there and the way he interacts with people yeah. like mm-hmm. elevates the whole situation. So watching that play out over the past year that you guys have been doing that has I was thinking about that moment. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like I actually wouldn't have to do anything yeah. outside of what I'm actually doing as long as I'm being real yep. and showing up for the community. Yep. And I don't know. It's it's just like something that I think about often. And I think mm. that is something that, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times here already, but like one of the things that can keep you from doing what you could be doing is the voice in your head telling you that you're not going to do it in no the doubt. way that everybody else needs you to right. do it. So no I doubt. like think about that invite to the barracks all the time. And you are like seeing what you do is really inspiring to me, but you're also really intimidating to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, Nick's like, <laughs> kind of got the golden child vibes like he does all the right stuff and he's doing it in a really good way (laughs) like he's doing the kind of things that I wish I could be doing and in a lot of ways that makes you intimidating to me to where it's like I have this vibe where like wow because I think I kind of ghosted you in that conversation because I'm like I don't want to tell Nick no (laughs) like it makes me afraid to be like wow I don't know if I can go and like that feeling has I don't know it's hard for me to get over you know yeah. Like, so I just, I don't know. I want to share that with you. Yeah. Dude, thank th- you so much for sharing that with me. Uh, cause that was wildly vulnerable. Yeah. To, I mean, to, here, here's, here's, here's the thing. Um, what if we believed when people ask us that they're actually asking the real us right. rather than what we are thinking that they're asking. Mm-hmm. And, and as, even a step further is, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm learning this and I've learned this from my wife because she's got more guts than anyone I know, um, is, is asking that clarification. 
you know, and being even vulnerable and, and honest in those moments of like, dude, that question actually terrifies me because I don't know if you want me to show up or if you want who I think you want to show up yep. to show up kind of thing. Mm. Right. Um, but I get that, man. I totally get that. I'll be completely honest. On the way over here today, my, my, my thought and my prayer was that, hey, you know what? I don't want this to be any kind of anything other than just a, 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 a fun conversation among friends that happens to be recorded. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to be thinking that there's a camera looking at me. I don't know how many cameras are, are looking at, at me. Least but at, at least 20. At least. We got a big production it's going a, on It's here. a wild production. Yeah, man. totally. Um, PA guy's killing it. <laughs> Mitch. Mike. Yo. <laughs> Unleash the fury, Mitch. Thanks for listening, y'all. This podcast is an extension of our mission to inspire connection by creating memorable experiences. If you want to get more acquainted with what we do, you can go on over to catandcloud.com. There you'll find a little bit of everything. If you want coffee, we got coffee there. If you want to be directed to some other magic media basically it's your hub for all things cat and cloud if you want to dive in on a deeper level we do have a patreon it's five dollars a month about the price of a latte each month you get a peek behind the scenes of what we do here unpacking some of the ideas that we talk about during this podcast rants and raves q a's jared and i just talking shit together biased opinion yes but i think it's a lot of fun so thanks for listening go out and inspire someone to do something amazing bye